Welcome to Between the Gutters, where we talk about the stories within the panels. I'm your co-host, Albert, and with us is our other co-host. I'm Drew. What's happening in betweeners? Hey, hey, hey. So, how's everybody doing? Welcome back to the show. This week, we thought we'd try to do something, you know, a little different. Well, we try to do something different every week, but, you know... <laughs> we, we go wherever we go wherever our uh, our interests take us, but we feel like in recent episodes we've focused on a lot of uh, big big name big two comics, you know, kind of the more mainstream stuff. So we wanted to give a little uh, some attention to lesser known books and you know just kind of exercise our our minds and and expand our our comic book knowledge and uh we just wanted to share that with you guys so today we're going to do a discussion about a indie uh, about a comic by the name of troop 142 what you got drew okay so troop 142 is a graphic novel written and drawn by mike dawson it was published in 2011 by secret acres i don't know anything about secret acres so that's how you know they're they're really indie yeah uh, yeah <laughs> like from what i do know about that's um, right there <laughs> yeah from what i do know about troop 142 mike dawson originally had this published as a webcomic i believe that's what i read in an article on the comics journal it was a webcomic and it was also a mini comic and the trade paperback physical version that we're reading is kind of this uh you know like the definitive uh edition of that comic so yeah. that, that's what we're reading off of this is uh from 2011 so it's kind of an older work but it's new to us yeah albert discovered it while we were questing at where was it dr comics and mr games in oakland yeah exactly so uh, dr comics and mr games was having one of their legendary dollar uh dollar clearance sale where we just showed up and we decided, you know, let's see what they're selling for a dollar. And more often than not, you know, we, we've we've definitely found our fair share of like stuff that we recognize that's that that we value and treasure as actual treasure. Mm -hmm. But uh, because everything's a dollar, we just also end up taking chances on a lot of things, right? Yeah. And I remember. We were there, and I think this was one of the occasions where all the stuff that we would have recognized, for the most part, had already been snatched up, swooped up, and you know we just kind of went over uh, went over what was left, and uh, and took our chances. And fortunately for us, um, you know, I took a chance on this book because uh, it ended up being something that. I read and I was pretty fascinated by so much so that I recommended it to you right after. Um, yeah, the the interesting thing was I I remember at the time I had already had a bunch of books on my stack, and I was actually about to leave it behind. You know, I I was like, well, I already have a lot of stuff to read. I don't know if I really necessarily need this one other book, but you know, I I, I came back to it like two or three times, and they had like two or three copies uh left uh in in their clearance section so I, I skimmed through it and i was looking at it and it seemed like it was well it, it's obviously a story about boy scouts right and i didn't really have any context other than that and i just skimmed it and it had sort of cartoony art and just based on th those two things alone i just decided 
well, I, I guess it might be this lighthearted story about, you know, Boy Scouts, uh, you know, just uh, a fun young young adult adventure sort of comic, right? So I think I was just I just happened to be in the mood for that, so I just went okay, let's just I'll just take a chance on it, and I bought it for a buck, um, and I can honestly say, like, within maybe the first five pages, uh, maybe even a little more, let's say ten five to ten pages, I I got the sense that. This was not like some hopeful, uh, optimistic story about, you know, uh, coming of age, you know, but I was still engrossed by it nonetheless. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'll, I'll give a brief summary of what this comic is about, because I don't imagine too many people are familiar with it. So Troop 142 is a slice of life comic like it's genuinely like I think a lot of times people throw around the term slice of life when they're really talking about some kind of fiction that they just don't know how else to describe it. But I, I, I think this is really a slice of life story because it's, it doesn't have much of a plot. You're really just seeing a week in the lives of this group of boy Scouts. There isn't a whole lot of character development. So when I say that there's not much character development and not much of a plot, maybe you might think, oh, well, then what kind of story is that? How can you, you know, there's not a, what's the what's point the of that? Point? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But slice of life stories, when they're done well, man, they, they're able to say something about uh, the human condition or just some truth of, about reality simply by taking something that is, seemingly on the surface appears to be mundane but if the if the writer and in this case you know the cartoonist is is good enough he's able to you know bring out something and illuminate something to you um you know that gives it gives the the story you know some kind of purpose some kind of meaning so it's it's not it's not a story that is reliant on its plot not even I mean, there are definitely a lot of characters. I don't know if I would say any of the characters uh, are particularly uh, memorable over the others, but there's a lot of events that happen that help us think about different themes and different uh, ideas. And that, that's that's what's fun to explore. I'll just read the back of the bl uh, the back of the cover the blurb on the back of the cover to give you you know a general sense of what the story is about it says join the boy scouts for a week of campfires merit badge courses group showers and merciless hazing at <laughs> pinewood forest camp new jersey in the summer of 1995 troop 142 the ignats award winning story from mike dawson author of freddy and me reveals the hilarious and brutal truths about boys and men, the hypocrisy of institutional morality, and the resilience of the human spirit. Be prepared. So that that's pretty much an accurate summary of, of what this comic is about. Do uh, you have anything to add to that, Albert? Um, I don't... Yeah, I, I think listening to that uh, summary of the comic... It's 
I'm not going to necessarily contest it or anything, but it sounds, it makes me imagine the story as something more positive and uplifting. Yeah, and maybe because of the stuff about uh, the resilience of of the human spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But and and this isn't you know a knock on the comic or anything. I like and if anything, it might just be something that I missed. But I will say that it, it's a comic that illuminated uh, things about the human spirit, but. I wouldn't necessarily say that it was something that uh, uh, put it in a good light. You know, it wasn't I, I, right. I didn't necessarily feel like it was about resiliency as much as it was just, you know, um, just a revelation of just what people are really like or can be really <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's a fair point. That's a fair point. And with a lot of uh, back cover blurbs, sometimes I don't know if the the actual writer of the comic wrote that it was probably some, you know, some person who worked for the publisher or mm, a marketing mm. person. But then again, you know, it's an indie publisher that I don't know anything about. So for all I know, it could be like a one man operation. Right. Right. I'm, I'm curious though, Albert, I think I know the answer already, but I'm going to ask you. Uh, so it's on the record, but when you bought the comic, did you read the back cover before you decided to buy it? <laughs> I really didn't. I yeah. really didn't. <laughs> I mean, again, it was a thing where we were in there, everything was a dollar, and I was we were just kind of gorging ourselves, just putting everything in piles, just, you know, taking what what we could. Um you know, it, it, we were we were totally head in the clouds engulfed in just getting comics, you know? So, again, this wasn't something where I picked it up and I even read it. I just kind of flipped through it. I saw that it was about Boy Scouts and, you know, I, I saw that uh, it was done in this cartoony style. So, in my mind, I thought it was, you know, a fun young adult story, uh, like a YA comic about, you know, kids having this bonding experience and having adventures, uh, you know, the uh, mm -hmm. the time of their lives, that sort of thing, you know, and sure. and like I said earlier, I I was kind of in the mood for that kind of a story, so I thought that uh, that would hit the sweet spot, and it it hit me in a completely different way, but it hit me pretty hard nonetheless. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's hear about how how you uh, reacted after reading the story then uh maybe i mean i guess i was gonna i was gonna ask you if we wanted to just talk about uh you know provide some spoiler free general impressions before we go into full spoilers but i just realized there's not really much in this comic that we can spoil because yeah i agree like the, there's there's no twist or anything that really that the story hinges on, you know, like yeah, we can tell you how the story ends and it's not going to affect your enjoyment of it. If you read it for the first time, cause there isn't yeah. anything that that's going to be, uh, too shocking here, you know? Yeah. I mean, I guess there's, I wouldn't really call it a mystery, but there is like an incident that occurs and, uh, 
you know, as the reader, you don't really know who's behind it until the very end. And yeah, but but it's it's not the kind of story that hinges on it, you know. Like it's yeah. it's not completely about it. So, um, yeah, I mean, like I don't mind just going into it. Uh, yeah, I, that works like, then. Yeah, I, I I really think that even if you listen to, to this episode, uh, and and we just you know give everything away, um, I think that it. I like in a best case scenario, it inspires you to check it out, and uh, you know it'd be interesting to see how you guys uh, what what your takeaways on it are. You know, yeah, um, it's it's the kind of story that I guess is good for inspiring discussion. Yeah, yeah, like a book club, a two man yeah. book club called Between the Gutters. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that's quite a plug right there. That, you guys don't know that, don't know this, but this this is the twist of this episode. It's a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> to listen to Between the Gutters. Exactly. <laughs> the favorite podcast of Between the Ourselves. Gutters. Ourselves. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, so, okay, I guess I'll start at the beginning, you know, and... Yeah. Um, Right at the beginning, uh, as I mentioned, I went into this expecting it to be um, a lighthearted story about uh, kids bonding with each other and, you know, uh, building formative experiences and, and, you know, growing up or whatever, right? Like, it, it, it really is done in this cartoony style that just made me expect something funner and lighthearted. But right at the beginning, uh, when, when you see there, there are moments where the kids are act, interacting with, with each other away from the adults, you know, like just a few pages in. And I, I noticed that even the way that they were talking to each other, it wasn't necessarily playful. I mean, it mm-hmm. was playful, but there was also kind of a sharp edge to, to, the, to their tone and to their language, you know. To the yeah. point where it kind of made me crook my head where I was like, are are they really, like, playing with each other? Or are they, like, trying to go out of their way to hurt each other's feelings, you know? Something's, yeah. something's off about this, you know? And mm-hmm. it just continues down that path over the course of the story, you know? Um, you mentioned earlier that it's really this big ensemble cast you don't really follow anyone in particular um i guess the one point of view character i forget the name of the kids but their dad is there at the camp with them yeah you know and he's kind of a nerdy looking older like you know he's just a dad you know just kind mm-hmm. of a, a corny guy corny like inoffensive harmless looking older dude who who just thinks he's here on this uh on this scout vacation with his kids but yeah but yeah he's 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 not necessarily someone we see super often but i do feel like he's kind of our point of view character uh into the story um you wouldn't happen to have his name would you 
Uh, man, I, I don't remember his name. I think his son's name was David, but I I don't remember his name off the top of my head. Yeah. Oh, Alan. There it is. It's right on the first page. Alan. Nice. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, Alan is... I would say if anybody was a, a likable character in this story, <clears throat> he'd probably be the closest thing to a likable character, you know? Yeah, and I can honestly say I didn't like him. Really? Yeah. Wow. Now I'm kind of curious. What was uh, what was your hot take on him? My hot take on him is that he was a weak father. Like I I didn't respect him as a man. Mm. Like he just he just seemed completely clueless as to what was going on in his kid's life. Where he uh like you, you we get the most into his head more than any other character because he he does uh, narrate. But mm-hmm. I I just felt like he he was an adult, but he all around him all these kids are they're just horrible kids you know like this is the kind of comic that makes you hate teenagers because it shows you how they really are teenage boys yeah you know yeah and and uh there are definitely a lot of kids in here that remind me of kids i didn't like when i was in high school like these are the kind of kids that that would throw spitballs you know Um, yeah it would put gum in your hair and think it was funny yeah you know just just the jackasses that every high school has and yeah and this whole like almost every single kid in Troop 142 is that kind of kid. Yeah. And, Which and is, granted, Alan isn't like their scout leader or anything. He's just he's really just there, I guess, as a an extra supervisor or you know um, adult just to to be there. Mm-hmm. So maybe he doesn't feel like he has any real authority to do anything. But like at the very end of the story, he finally decides to to do something. And what he can all he can really do is like push a kid you know like he tackles a kid and, and, and like slams him against the table it's like okay uh you know good job adult uh supervisor like what are you you're doing? not wait 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 let me get this straight you're not with the idea of a fully grown adult man beating up on a prepubescent or early teen Oh, I'm absolutely done with the that idea. The problem is that he <laughs> failed to beat him up, so he lost to a little kid, man. How, how can you respect him? Come on, Albert. Uh, this Would podcast a real man... is not for scrubs. Yeah. <laughs> Would a real man lose to a teenager? <laughs> now, he, yeah. the only reason he, he doesn't beat up the kid, though, is because that kid's dad ends up intervening and, and pulling him off. I mean, and it wasn't like the other, it's not like the dad started fighting or anything. It was just, what are you doing? You know, like, what's the matter with you? Get off him. You, you know, basically, you're, you, you know, you can't, you can't do that. Yeah. Um. You know, the, the story takes place in the 90s. So things like that, you know, putting your hands on a kid, I'm sure wasn't really as, as big a deal as it would be in today's world. But there was just something about, the Alan character that I, I just maybe he wasn't the worst character, but it it wasn't like I liked him or anything. I, I don't I don't think I liked any character in this whole comic. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. 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 And, and that's another thing that just as a side note, I would want to say 
I think a lot of times most people in general tend to want to latch on to at least one character in, a, yeah. in any story, whether it's a book, a comic, a movie, TV series. I always hear people say, man, I don't like any of those characters, so that that's a bad show or a bad movie or or whatever. But But for me, as an avid reader, I don't really feel... I don't find it necessary to have to latch on to a particular character, you know, like this, yeah. this comic was interesting and fascinating and compelling enough, even without any people I liked in it. Yeah. Because I was interested in seeing what these unlikable people were doing to each other yeah. and to themselves, you know, like that, that's the fascinating part about it. Like yeah. there are many different yeah. kinds of, of stories and ways of telling stories and not every story has to have somebody quote unquote, relatable you know yeah, like yeah. There, there are just stories that are interesting because of their plot maybe some stories that are interesting because of their thematic content or their subtext or the ideas that that they explore so yeah. it's not and yeah and there are some stories that are interesting because they have compelling characters and you know really well-developed characters likable characters yeah uh, character de- development and and characters that grow over the length of the story but not every story has to be like that. And this is one of those stories where I think it, it's more about the the events and the ideas. That, yeah. That's what makes it interesting. Yeah. I mean, now that you're bringing it up, I, I do think you, you've hit on something because um, there really aren't any, you know, quote unquote heroes in this story, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, if, if the best thing that you can look to is just this dad who's a passive observer and that's essentially what he is for the most part right yeah um that's that's not really much you know yeah so it just makes him seem kind of weak-willed and powerless impotent yeah 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 um but you know back to just kind of the the overarching plot of the story like i remember finishing this book and thinking that i found it a little chilling you know it's it's the the first thing that it made me think of was it just made me feel like their boy scout troop was just a a microcosm of society as as a whole you know um this small insular unit has their has their own customs have has their own cultures they have their own history you know uh, they have their own songs, uh, like just they've they've built up. It, it's basically a, a culture in a petri dish that's, as far as I saw it, was a stand-in for uh, society at at large. You know, at, at least society as uh, as the author saw it. You know, hmm. and yeah, okay, it, it made me. Like one of the first things that I thought of after reading it was it reminded me of Lord of the Flies and just how granted it was different circumstances in that in Lord of the Flies, the kids are completely isolated from their parents and they devolve into this uh, tribalistic society. But Mm -hmm. here, even in, in this story, even though they don't necessarily just become pure savages or whatever, like they're. And, and and even though there are adults present, it's in some ways the uh, the reinforcement of the adults ends up 
propping up some of the behaviors that leads to them being just terrible people, you know? It reinforces Mm -hmm. their natural bad tendencies that, you know, that they should be, that shouldn't be encouraged in the first place, you know? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of bullying, a lot of insulting and belittling of other people. Uh, Exactly. You know, even even, uh, physical... Uh, violence, you know, just pushing and shoving kids and uh, humiliating kids, really. Yeah. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it, it goes beyond just mocking or teasing other kids. It there are yeah. some things where the bullies will truly humiliate a kid in front of everybody else just because he thinks it's funny. And they, yeah, exactly. They do it with like this gleeful abandon, and I think that's the thing that makes it scary and maybe a little too real in yeah. that uh like i've i've read other ya young adult comics where you know whenever uh you have bullying going on and you know reading it as an adult it's like that's kind of corny like people don't really talk like that you know when you have uh, what going on uh Should... bullying or oh, bullying okay yeah so like maybe maybe the writers just don't know how to capture the voice of voice uh the teenage voice uh, you know like mm-hmm. uh you you were telling me about that one uh YA comic uh the the one based on Catwoman where you know oh yeah they you know the 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 kids were bullying her and she says something back and everyone acts like it's this sick burn but you know as an adult reading it you're like that's a uh, it's pretty corny or whatever right yeah yeah and but the way that dawson captures how these kids talk it's i'd say it's pretty accurate you know like maybe they don't swear quite as much but there's a a a savageness and a viciousness to to the degree that they will go after like the weakest in their in their in their unit you know Mm -hmm. like i i it it just reminded me of um the thing yeah the thing about it that made it feel so real was it, it took me back to a place when i was in you know middle school or high school even elementary school maybe where you know when kids are around each other and adults aren't around uh they're not necessarily in some cases they're not necessarily mature enough to to behave uh but in other instances even when they're a little older like their worst instincts will kick in you know yeah and and what i was reading uh in troop 142 was far more familiar than than (laughs) not you know yeah um i mean i've certainly been in situations where you know with other uh young men when nobody else was looking like their worst instincts come out sometimes Mm -hmm. you know yeah every every kid in this comic there's just something like even the kids that do get bullied like 
they may turn around and bully somebody else in in the next on the next day, you know, or in the next scene. Like there there isn't really anyone that uh there's well, no one that steps above it. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. It it's just yeah. it's just this uh like you were saying earlier, kind of this microcosm of I forget if you said society, but I'm just going to paraphrase if you didn't say society like it's a microcosm microcosm of society where everybody is just awful to each other you know like this is a book that i think if if we were to apply uh, a particular reading or interpretation of this text we would probably say it it's a pretty pessimistic view of humanity yeah like there isn't for sure i don't I don't know for certain if that's what Mike Dawson wanted to communicate cuz from what I what I read uh when I looked up uh a review of this comic on the Comics Journal uh what the writer of that review said was that Mike Dawson himself was actually a boy scout growing up in the mid 90s yeah so this this story is probably based on a lot of his experiences it's not autobiographical by any means but i'm sure there's you know bits and pieces a of, of truth yeah there's a shred of truth in it and i think that's why when you read it it feels so authentic yeah yeah i think one of the images that stood out to me was um and i i feel like it sort of sums up what's going on in the book um well, but before I get to that image, it's earlier on when you read the blurb and you were talking about how in the blurb it says that this book is about the resiliency of like, you know, uh, kids and whatever. Right. Uh, like it really paints it in this positive light. But now you're I'm, I'm listening to you talk about it and how, you know, even your takeaway from reading of this was just how pessimistic uh, like how how it leaves you feeling pretty pessimistic about the human race as a whole. <laughs> yeah, because um, kids are supposed to be the future, right? And this is what kids are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, it, it I feel like it goes back to what I was saying earlier when when I read that particular blurb, and I was like, I don't know if I got that sense. I might have been missing something, but I I didn't. I definitely I didn't walk away feeling positive about this either. You know? Yeah. Um, but back to the, uh, the, the, the one image, um, there's this scene early on in the book where, uh, one of the kids, um, well, there, there are a couple of them just hanging out and one of them decides to, to see if he can pull this stunt where he's just going to leave this meat out and he just is going to let it rot over the course of their entire stay there. Right. Yeah. And this meat just sits out in the I think in it's the open uh, a can of spam yeah it's a can <laughs> of spam that just sits out in the open and over the course of the comic it just rots like bugs get in it and uh mold gets in it and dirt and rain it just gets grosser and grosser and just like this troop by the end of it there it's just rotten it's just rotted out it's just gross you know yeah. and i just felt like that was such a a, a 
a perfect image for for what these kids were, you know? Um mm-hmm. and and it makes me think that in a sense maybe that was the point like for me to walk into this book thinking that it was going to be a story about these kids that are going to have fun, they're going to be at the Boy Scouts. Like what's more wholesome than the Boy Scouts, right? What's what's better for building character than the Boy Scouts? Yeah. But then it ends up being this thing where uh they're essentially let loose and you know maybe you could argue that uh the troop leaders weren't always can't always be around to watch them every second of the day but uh again like i said earlier like there were some instances where you know even when we see the adults on their own um their behaviors didn't seem like those were necessarily positive behaviors that were doing anything to help these kids be better. If anything, they were probably just reinforcing um, mm-hmm. the kids being bastards. Yeah, actually, you know? it just reminded me of of a of a scene that happens kind of early on in the comic. But there's a scene where uh, the the other one of the other main adults in the story is this guy named bill he's got a mustache and he's the father of one of the other kids at the camp bill i believe he is i don't remember what his title or his rank is but he's one of the adult scout masters or whatever they're called so he was you know more involved in the whole tradition of the boy scouts than alan was mm-hmm. but there's a scene early on when a was bunch he the of dude who was like a, a kind of a macho tough guy. Yeah, yeah, he's kind of like this macho tough guy dad. Yeah. So there's a scene where where early on in the week during a campfire, he actually scares his son because <laughs> you know just as a joke, like that's his. I guess that was just his idea of being playful. But he he scares his son by putting on a mask and you know just sneaking up behind him. His son kind of freaks out. And then everybody else starts laughing at his son. So they're just like mocking him. And the thing that that hurts is that it's because of his own father that he's in the situation where everybody is just having this laugh at him. Yeah. So at the end of the night, uh, Bill and his son, you know, they were going to share. They were going to stay in the same tent together that week. But because of what happened... His son was so mad he wanted to move out of the he didn't want to share a tent with his dad because he was mm-hmm. so mad. So he asks Bill asks Alan if he's willing to swap with him with his son. So basically now Bill and Alan will be roommates or uh tent mates mm-hmm. for the rest of the week. And Alan's internal narration, he is so pissed off and resentful at not at Bill for messing with his own son, but he's he's pissed off at bill's son for being such a a wuss you know (laughs) and i'm like dude come on man like that's that's such an unsympathetic thing to do like that that's another reason why i i didn't find alan likable it's like if he really cared so much about the kids like why wouldn't he have said something to bill about what he did you know but he he doesn't care. He he only really cared about his own inconvenience because he didn't want to spend time, you know. He didn't want to share a tent. <laughs> he didn't want to share a tent with with another guy and and try and yeah. make, you know, make friends or whatever. Yeah. 
Hmm. Yeah, I might have. Uh, it's been a while since I read the book, so I might have uh, forgot that part. But that's interesting. You know, it's it's. Uh, it doesn't put Alan in a good light. I'll tell you that much. No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He he's he's he doesn't laugh at Bill's kid when everybody else is laughing at him, but. I think his internal narration later on that night definitely shows you that he doesn't respect Bill's kid, you know? Like, yeah. I feel like the the most adults in that situation would probably feel sorry for the kid. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like, dude, that's messed up with everybody else to, to do that. But this is a case of, it's almost like blaming the victim, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. Somebody, somebody gets hurt, you blame the because other people are hurting him, you blame the, the the person who got hurt for getting hurt in the first place when, yeah. you know, he didn't really do anything. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't his fault, so... Mm. Yeah, it's just kind of messed up stuff all around. Yeah. You said, um, when you read this uh, article earlier, uh, when, when you were preparing for this episode of the podcast, uh, you mm-hmm. mentioned that some of the ideas that you walked away with were in regards to... Um, the idea of toxic masculinity in mm-hmm. just as a, I guess, a theme of the comic. I was wondering if you could expand on that, uh, on, on what your thoughts might have been uh, in regards to that. Well, seeing as how pretty much all of the characters in the book are males, and it's about, uh, as you said, you know, a microcosm of society where... yeah. Except in this society, in this microcosm, everybody is a boy or, you know, there's a couple of grown men here. Yeah. But for the most part, it's just a bunch of teenage boys, probably, I'm guessing, like ages 12 to 18 or so. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that's the age of Boy Scouts. I, I could be off on that. I was never a Boy Scout myself, so I don't really I don't really know too much about what it's like to be in the boy scouts i was never really into the outdoors and stuff and generally speaking i'm i'm assuming you're like me in that we try not to spend too much time trying to as grown men trying to research the boy scouts yeah yeah i can't say i can't say uh yeah agreed man agreed (laughs) i don't i don't you know as a grown man who doesn't have a child i don't want to show up at boy scout meetings and just say just to tell them i have an incredible amount of interest in this in spite (laughs) of any sense of investment that you can notice on the surface (laughs) (laughs) you don't go to random boy scout meetings and say we're just here to observe and 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 learn you know this is research we're just researching here we, we just want to learn everything we can about what no we don't we do yeah. not do that there's a lot of things wrong with that yeah <laughs> uh, yeah but it's yeah about okay. the masculinity of uh theme of the story there's there's just so much uh, about what i think the book presents a look at what teenage boys think being a man is yeah yeah and basically what that is is just trying to be the alpha dog and you be the alpha dog by by putting other people down yeah it's it's all about either more talented than they are 
mm-hmm. and by showing your skills, you sh- you're putting them down. Or if you can't do that, then you you like literally put them down by yeah. by just mocking them. You know, yeah. whatever yeah. tools are at your disposal. Exactly. You know, it's just a lot of like cruel insults. Uh, you know, pushing other kids that are weaker than you. Mm-hmm. It, it's just a lot of like bad behavior is what it is, yeah. you know. But yeah, I think it, it's almost like these adults they're they're aware of it. They kind of turn a blind eye to it unless things go you know over the line or something. Yeah, they're not going to let a kid kill another kid or or do anything like super serious. But if it's yeah. just you know calling him a a bad word or or uh, saying the f word to some kid, uh, you know messing messing with his things, they're they're probably you know just going to have the attitude of oh boys will be boys. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting to me that um that you mentioned that this so much of the comic is centered around the fact that this is a troop of boys and uh you know they're just surrounded by other boys and even their leaders are all just men and the thing that it makes me think of is that the few instances where we see any sort of female presence is pretty interesting too right like Mm -hmm. Um, the one, so like, you know, and depending on who you ask there, this level of severity is, could be way worse or whatever, but like, you know, they, at one point they sneak off to look at, uh, nudie magazines, which, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, that's something that happens, right? But you could argue that that's not necessarily the best way to, uh, envision to learn like about women, women. Yeah, to learn about women yeah. exactly right and later on um we 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 start in one of the conversations between the boys there's even this scene where they're talking about um this one nurse uh, this older nurse uh woman right mm-hmm. and they're just they're talking amongst themselves but they're just talking about it in this way where I, I, it, it's recognizable to me, you know, because, you know, being, having been that age, there are times where your mind, like, goes in that direction. So they, they were saying things like, oh, she was totally into me because she looked at me or, or, you know, Mm -hmm. little things like that, right? Like, they were totally blowing up these little, uh, little moments to think that, uh, this was something more meaningful than it really was. Yeah, he was just trying to lie to make himself sound bigger in front of his friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Basically is what it was. Yeah. But I even think, you know, th- you, so we mentioned, you mentioned that this book came out in 2011. And, um, you know, when you read that article and you mentioned toxic masculinity, one of the things that in- was, was interesting to me was that uh as far as like i don't know what the exact timetable is but when like the idea of like toxic masculinity as uh uh as a thing as a concept like i i think it came out or or it became prominent or more discussed a little after 
2011, you know, um, maybe, you know, like, again, I don't know what the timetable is, but it's interesting to me that this book picked up on this before this really like big social discussion happened, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, and, that's true. I didn't think of that. And when you look at like, just how like these kids were talking about this woman, right? I mean, it's not just the fact that it was like disrespectful, but it's, I think with a lot of like bro culture, uh, there's this uh, tendency to behave in this way where, especially now when, where people build these relationships up in their mind to be more than it is to the point where they think they're entitled to like affection or uh, attention from women. And I feel like it starts from stuff like that, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, she, she, she totally like smiled at me. So she was totally into me, you know? And so it's delusional. uh, Yeah, it's delusional. And then when, when they, when they, uh, when the moment happens where uh, that turns out not to be the truth at all, like there's like a like in the worst case scenarios there's like a switch that goes off in these people that where they just become like completely bitter and vicious because mm-hmm. of it you know yeah so it's yeah like that was an interesting thought or i i thought it was interesting anyways yeah that it it's definitely uh not it's i think the way the book is presented it doesn't it's not it's like not it's like the primary written, focus of yeah it. it's not it's not yeah. written like there's this is a, a moral fable condemning this kind of uh masculinity yeah uh, but it's it's more just very straightforward very matter of fact just presenting you i guess it's in a way like a series of vignettes of with all these different uh boys and you just as a reader, as you see what they're doing, I th- I think the natural takeaway is these kids are awful to each other, and yeah, you know, boys shouldn't be like that. It, it doesn't really matter uh, if what age they are, but yeah, you know, like what like what reasonable parent would want their kids acting like that, you know? And yeah. and maybe I don't doubt that there are some parents that are like, oh, it's fine, it's just part of growing up, but then. That says more about the parents than those kids too, you know. Yeah. Like I feel like the the kind of parents that would that would just totally think it's fine for their kids to to be bullies just because you know all kids are like that at that age. That's not even which isn't even true. But like those parents are so bad they don't even care uh, about doing a good job of being a parent. You know, like I feel like a good parent should if you know that your kid is picking on other kids you should probably tell yeah. your kid to stop no one you know? should want their kid to be a bully right like mm-hmm. no one looks at that like the kind of person that looks at a kid who behaves that way and says yeah look how strong he is look how tough <laughs> he is like other kids respect him whatever it's like well but that i i wanted that sort of leads into another thought that i had um about this book yeah recently yeah, yeah. but i again like this this comic was written in 2011 and it was about and as we mentioned it's about like just these kids and how you know given 
given to their own, uh, uh, like, left on their own, how they just became just these awful people, right? Mm-hmm. And you would think that the lesson would be, like you mentioned, like, oh, good parents wouldn't want your kids to be this way. Like, like the, the takeaway should be, this is not how we want people, this is not how we want children to be, and, you know, uh, this is not how we want children to be, and, you know, like, I, I, I shudder at the thought of what it would be like for these children to become adults. And mm-hmm. talking about this in 2020, it's really interesting to think of something like the Proud Boys as an organization, you know, mm-hmm. um, where it's just essentially a grown-up frat party, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, grown-up frat parties. It sounds like such a misnomer or a... Uh, it shouldn't exist. <laughs> yeah, it's a paradox. Yeah, but but I could see... Like, if... If you told me that a bunch of these kids would grow up to, uh, and like left to their own devices, would they Oxymoron. grow up to become Oxymoron. That's what it, that's the word I was looking for. Right. Sorry, I'm a little slow. <laughs> <laughs> but if you told me that if these kids, if, if the natural progression of these kids left to their own devices is that, if, if there was a comic that took place 20 years after this one, and we ended up seeing, and and it was more uh, the the sequel to this comic was about them being in the Proud Boys. <laughs> like, I would not be surprised if, like, that's how these kids grew up, right? Like, what is that organization but, like, just a total macho testosterone fest where it's yeah. just about, you know, celebrating everything that's good about being, you know, quote-unquote, a man, right? Mm-hmm. We love our guns. We love our meat. We love beating people up. We belittle the people that we don't like. What, you know, what's more manly than that? Yeah. You and I, I think pretty much every kid in, in this comic is a white kid, too. So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but that's kind of the that's kind of the, the, the failure of it all is that you would think, again, that these we would. You would think that the adults in the room would try to dissuade children from giving into these uh, instincts, mm-hmm. but now in 2020 we're seeing, if anything, people are leaning into them. You know, yeah. Like yeah. if anything, they're raising kids and they're teaching their kids to be dickheads too. Pretty much. Yeah. Here's a question I have for you, Albert. But yeah. I know we, we were just saying a little while ago how neither of us has much experience with boy scouts because we we weren't boy scouts and mm-hmm. you know we just didn't grow up around that kind of thing yeah but i was i was interested in what your opinions of the boy scouts in general are i mean not just simply based on this comic but the boy scouts as a as a real life organization what are your thoughts on them uh truth be told there was a point in my youth uh just because of television where i wanted to be a boy scout you know, but uh, coming from a poor immigrant family, like we didn't have that was a luxury we couldn't afford, you know. So it was I remember like at one point uh, I even ended up getting my parents to go to a meeting uh, where they were where the base where the Boy Scouts were doing a 
like a presentation, you know, just to try oh, to get wow. new recruits. So like I, I, I remember going to check it out and. Do you remember how old you were? Uh, I was in middle school, I think. I'm okay, pretty confident okay. I was in middle school, uh, but it wasn't anything that we ever followed up with. Um, what was it that made you so interested in Boy Scouts? I think, the again, it was, I, I don't even remember if there were commercials for the Boy Scouts, but I just, I think I would watch shows like, you know, uh, sitcoms or whatever, right? And mm-hmm. they just made it seem like a really fun place they romanticize the idea of it yeah totally right mm-hmm. like it, it wasn't just the fact that you know you got to again like build these like foundational life experiences and you know make make friends or whatever um but it was the combination of that and learning these skills you know yeah uh, these survival skills or whatever so there was definitely a lot to appeal there uh mm-hmm. that that i found appealing um i will say that at one point even though i didn't end up joining the boy scouts i did my mom eventually put me into a program in some uh, for a couple of summers uh with a uh, cameron house in chinatown and that was kind of the same thing you know similar like, to boy scouts yeah, I mean, it was just a bunch of local neighborhood kids, um, you know, just going to summer classes together, going on camping trips, and just hanging out, you know. Was so, it uh, was it uh, like summer school then, or was it? I guess it was more like a summer school, but uh, yeah, it's it's hard for me to uh, describe because it it sort of existed in like this weird in-between area from what i remember cameron house is is a like a non-profit i want to say it's a christian organization in chinatown oh okay yeah so um yeah you know it was just about giving kids a place to go in the summer when school was out and boys and uh, girls i think so uh i don't think we were together like the boys had a class and the girls had a class so it's not like we got to hang out with each other or anything, but not even uh, on the trips that you went on. Um, I really don't remember. Like, oh. I think I think that should be a testament to <laughs> how much of an impression it left on you. No, I mean, I, I was going to say that should be a testament to, to like how many girls were actually there. Uh, because like I, I i have memories of going on the trips but uh-huh. i don't really remember if there were like actual girls there do you think it's possible that there were plenty of girls there but they all just stayed away from you the same way that they stay away from us today oh that's very likely <laughs> <laughs> why am i laughing why I are we know. laughing at this because the only alternative is to cry <laughs> um I will say that, you know, as I've grown um, and with all the news that's come out about, you know, things with the Boy Scouts. um, Yeah, I don't know. I I don't I I think like most things I I might not have quite as positive uh, an opinion or outlook on them as as I did in the past. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
yeah, I'd probably have to do more research. Like if I had a kid and they wanted to join the Boy Scouts, I'd probably have to do my due diligence and really uh, research if I if I in fact did want my kids to go to the Boy Scouts. Would you rather allow your kids to join the Boy Scouts or play tackle football? Ooh. Can't my kid just get a paper route or something? <laughs> <laughs> Man, do paper boys still exist? I don't even know if people still That's a good question. <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> There's just one lone paper boy out there delivering yeah. the the few remaining people, the papers to the few remaining people who want them delivered. Yeah. <laughs> I bet in the future we're going to get to that point where uh, a summer job for a little kid is going to be like an IT kind of position, you know, <laughs> like... You don't think there's a chance computer. that there's a kid who's who's going to do a DoorDash or anything? <laughs> <laughs> a DoorDash on a bicycle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you mean? That's happening now. <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. true. I don't see I don't know if I see little kids doing it though. It's usually yeah. like you know, uh people in their late uh early 20s or late teens yeah. or something. Yeah. I wonder if there's a an age limit to be a, a DoorDash or a Grubhub delivery person, you probably have to be like 18 or something. I bet. Yeah, at least, but, right? But like, what if, what if, uh, you know, some some enterprising parent set up an account so that he could make his kids? <laughs> you do mean all the child slavery? <laughs> Is that what you're describing? <laughs> look, look, Albert. If you ordered the next time you order takeout from DoorDash or whatever, and the kid, a, a little kid brings you your food, what would you do? Would you just take the food or would you like report the kid to the authorities or tell DoorDash, hey, something shady is going on because some little kid just delivered my food? I would, would probably make the kids stand there as I ate the food in front of them and I would let the child know that the food tasted that much better because I knew that that kid personally suffered for it. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great answer thank you thank you <laughs> so now See, back to the book about being we, all, we always talk about how albert hates kids but really he loves them <laughs> he loves he loves their pain <laughs> what about you drew what are your uh what's your background with the boy scouts if any when i was in elementary school some of my classmates were Cub Scouts, mm. which I think is kind of like the little kid version uh, or the stepping stone to to become a Boy Scout when you get older. Mm-hmm. So because I had a couple friends there, I actually I think my friend's dad might have been the troop like a leader, scout leader or scout leader. Yeah, yeah, whatever whatever it's called for for Cub Scouts. And I remember just wanting. To, I remember going to a few meetings just because I wanted to hang out with my friends. You know, yeah. that was really the, yeah. the reason. I it, it wasn't like it wasn't like I knew or even liked. Uh, so you, you weren't know. drawn to the boys. There wasn't anything about the Boy Scouts itself that drew you to it, other no. than your friends no, were there. Not at all. Not at all. Oh, I mean, I, I thought some of the things they they made were cool. Like I remember they would uh, take a block of wood and carve it into a into like a shape of a car and then and then 
you know, attach some wheels on it and, and, you know, you would make these cars and you could race them. That sounds pretty cool. Yeah, That's it's, not half it's bad. pretty cool. It's pretty cool. But me being a really, uh, you know, helpless kid, even a helpless adult when it comes to stuff like that, like <laughs> I'm not good with my hands. I can't, yeah. I can't carve anything uh, really effectively to make it look good. I don't, you know, I'm really bad at, at sculpting or making models. So like th- an exercise like that sounds cool on paper, but from what I remember, it was, it was really tough, man. Like I, I could, I could barely do it. And, and even when I, when I finally made my car, it was, it wasn't good, man. Like I, I didn't like it. It didn't, it didn't do a whole lot. It, it even though we would race them down these, uh, these, uh, hills on the sidewalk in San Francisco, like mm-hmm. my car it was so poorly built, it, it would never win, you know, like there was, it, it just felt futile. And I think mm. there were, there were fun times just to, to be with my friends. But I think knowing that I had to do stuff with my hands and knowing that Boy Scouts meant you had to go out into the, you know, it was kind of like survival stuff. Yeah. Wilderness. Yeah. You would probably go camping and I, it's not like I mind camping, but if I go camping, I just want to like have a good time and relax, not do yeah. a bunch of different tasks to try and and earn a merit badge. Can so, I ask you something? I think yeah, yeah, go ahead. Like I, so I I don't think I even had that much of a proximity with the Boy Scouts. So like I'm kind of curious like where was this located in the city? We would just go to my friend's house cuz Oh, that's dad, where the meetings uh, were held. Yeah, oh, and okay, I, okay, okay. I don't remember going to a whole bunch of them. I just remember going to a, a couple of them because I have some friends who were there. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I think I knew that it wasn't something like the stuff that that we were doing was. You knew very early on that this wasn't your thing. <laughs> it wasn't my thing, you know. Like I would go goof around, and yeah. you know, my friend dad would probably talk to me and and be like, "Are you sure you want to be here? Because we're not here to just like screw around and play." You know, there, there's a whole purpose to, to this meeting. Um, you know, I don't, maybe not it's necessarily kind of exactly in, in those words, but, yeah. you know, I, I got the gist of it. And not, after a while, I was like, yeah, I guess this is not for me. Like, yeah, I'll play with, I'll play with my friends at school or, um, you know, when they don't, when they're, when they're not busy with, with Cub Scouts. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I didn't, didn't uh, last very long in it and I didn't have any interest in joining the real Boy Scouts. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I guess I kind of knew a little bit about what it was about because I did have friends who were interested in it and ended up uh, participating in it through mm-hmm. through high school. So I would hear little stories about the kind of stuff that they did when they went camping, uh, the different survival things that they learned. I remember uh, even when I got into college, I met a guy who was in Boy Scouts and Eagle Scouts when he was in high school. And he was like super proud of it. Like he was a real outdoorsy kind of dude, mm-hmm. but it, it was just uh, something for, for me. I wasn't, I wasn't really interested, I suppose. I'll, but my, my understanding of them, of the Boy Scouts as an organization kind of came through my friends and, and just hearing them talk about it. And, you know, like sometimes it would, talk about stuff like the the bonding experience of it and and how they you know learned all these different things that that most people 
don't really have a chance to learn because unless you take some kind of wilderness class or something, you know? Mm. So mm. I, I thought it was fascinating, but I also remember them talking about how it was more of, there, there's an organization to it. Kind of like how in this comic, you see the organization where there's a, a hierarchy where there's like that old dude, that old man who, uh, yeah. Kind of you know, like he leads them at the campfire. Or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and he, he leads them in an oath. Uh, I don't remember the oath off the top of my head, but it, it's it's a pretty simple kind of oath where it's something like a Boy Scout is, and then they just list a bunch of traits that embody the the virtues of being a Boy Scout. Like a Boy Scout is yeah. kind, uh, helpful, or something. I don't I don't remember all the words. I think the one thing that I do remember is I think one of the words was thrifty. <laughs> I thought that was yeah. a that was a strange. <laughs> it was pretty random. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, of it, all the things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it it is interesting to me to imagine what it would be like to be a Boy Scout, but it, I don't think I definitely don't regret not being a Boy Scout. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I'd I'd, I'd agree with that sentiment. It's not something I look back at my life at with and and think to myself, if only I had been a Boy Scout. I could be a senator or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it's possible that could have uh, been a stepping stone. Yeah. To being a senator. I, I will say one thing though, and and this came to me while you were uh, telling me your story. Um, for whatever reason, uh, the one like skill that I wanted to walk away with for sure was like the ability to build a fire. Because even as a kid, I thought to myself, man. If I'm ever like just lost out in the woods, I want to be able to like make my own fire. <laughs> yeah, I, you know that was probably yeah, the here. one skill that I wanted. Yeah, that's why I just never go out into the woods. Bad things I, happen out in the wilderness. Yeah, uh, I'm a city slicker, man. So I just stay, I just stay where where there's uh you know indoor toilets and plumbing and stuff. So yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not too keen on the idea of a latrine where. Everybody, uh, you know, essentially sits down on a bench and poops into the same hole for a whole week. Yeah, I can't say that that's ever appealed to me in the slightest. Yeah, well, from going camping with you that one time, I remember <laughs> you just held your your uh, poo all weekend, man. Like that was that was pretty amazing. Like your bowel control yeah. is the most impressive I've ever witnessed. Well, I mean, the trick to that is really just portion control. Uh, so I make it a point not to overeat. I eat just enough to keep me going every day. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so here's another question about the Boy Scouts. Do you think it's, like, especially with the way that uh, – it was portrayed in Troop 142, but you can also go off whatever you might know about the scouts in real life, too. Mm -hmm. I was going to ask you if you had any opinions on their their hierarchy and, like, the way that they're, uh, you know, this this is a, an organization that, that has a lot of history and traditions and and uh, culture and, and, and yeah. uh, you know, there, there's, like, an order to it. Like, they have different leaders and whatnot, like... I will what are say your this. thoughts on that? 
as I get older, I, I, I guess I'm more skeptical of things that are organized that way, even though they're not quite official. Like, there's something about having that hierarchy that, you know, it, it's different than a summer program, right? Because they're, they, the way that their organization was established was it was really, they really did a deep dive uh, or, or they're really committed to the idea of their history and um, just how long that they've been around. Like, it's it's really a point of pride for them. And I don't know if I think that that's super healthy, you know? Like, Is it because you just hate authority? Uh, not necessarily. Like, you know, I, I believe in the American government. I, you know, I say my Pledge of Allegiance, uh, just like anybody else. I, 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 I would never storm the Capitol. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, I believe in democracy. Okay, so, okay. So, like, you know, uh, institutions like that I support. But, you know, at the end of the, the day, the Boy Scouts is really just uh, uh, you know, an extension of a summer program for kids, and I don't, I don't necessarily know that I. If I had to be perfectly honest, uh, there are things about it that probably remind me too much of um, what are those called? Like pyramid schemes? <laughs> like I, I could envision someone getting who, who's, who's, very accustomed to a very regimented lifestyle, buying into. Um, pyramid pyramid schemes and that sort of structure, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I want to like build up. I don't know if I want to instill that in any kid. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I thought you were, before you said pyramid schemes when you were searching for the term. I I actually thought you were about to say cult. That that too, you know. <laughs> They're like maybe it's not quite a cult in in like the conventional sense of the word but there are certainly things uh between uh cults and pyramid schemes and uh even the boy scouts that are probably far too close for comfort (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so it's 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 definitely yeah i mentioned earlier like i would have to do my due diligence and truly like research before uh going forward with letting any kid join something like that mm-hmm. and even then i'd probably have to give them like a pretty healthy dose of just uh reality you know just i guess i would check in fairly often just to make sure that they're not being indoctrinated into anything weird mm-hmm. do you, do you yeah. think it's strange that they have their own oath because that's something uh, that we see at least two times in this comic where the yeah. oath is recited. And there's a, there's kind of uh, an emphasis on each of the the different virtues of the Boy Scout oath as well. Yeah, I remember when I was reading the comic, and I I might be remembering this wrong, so you know, feel free to correct. But I think even when they were, like, doing the oath, when they were, uh, you know, when they were emphasizing each individual bullet point like the particular scene uh of the kids that uh that they were showing as they recited 
each bullet point juxtaposed against that particular bullet point it it seemed to be uh indicating like almost the opposite behavior you know yeah like, like it was like oh the boy scouts is xyz but then at that point in time in that moment the the way that the kids were acting was almost kind of the complete antithesis of what whatever that particular bullet point was you know yeah i'm trying to f- see if i can find it oh here we go yeah i found i found uh one of the scenes where they recite the oath yeah and it, it says a scout is trustworthy loyal helpful friendly courteous kind obedient cheerful thrifty brave clean and reverent and each of those words is a single panel with uh, and in each panel is one of the the scouts doing something they've got their hand in held up in some kind of gesture so Mm -hmm. uh, a couple of the panels have the adults too but Yeah. yeah each 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 person each of the kids that that has his own panel like that like the kid that has the panel with the word loyal that that kid is a pretty big bully and a jerk he's that's not loyal yeah <laughs> yeah loyal to himself maybe but it's yeah. like what what is the point of 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 uh repeating reciting an oath that's supposed to instill moral values when you just you know put your hand down when you're done and then just keep on behaving the same way that you behave, yeah. you know, it's just like that, words to them at that point. Yeah. There's no meaning there. Yeah. I guess in a way it, it's, it's kind of this warning against, like, I, I don't know if I would say Mike Dawson intended it to be a warning, but I, I think the way that I read the scene, it, it's almost, it, rem, it makes me think, I guess yeah, I guess it functions to me as a as a kind of a warning against just mindlessly reciting platitudes because yeah, yeah you can tell yourself to be loyal or or helpful. Yeah. You can say those words, say that oath over and over, but if you're just going to go around and and put down other people all the time and and uh you know really try and make someone want to quit at life What's the point of reciting that oath? That that's the thing, man. I, I think that's yeah. one of the things that makes these kids so unlikable is that yeah. they have it in them where they're just saying these things and just being absolute dicks to each other. Yeah. <laughs> and the more that I think about it, it's like <laughs> I I feel like kids are definitely more like this now than ever. Like just play any game online. <laughs> And, yeah <laughs> and, you know the audacity of some of these kids yeah seriously know, it's just they're they're more emboldened than ever to be just the worst kind of people <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah the stuff in in this comic in troop 142 it takes place in the 90s so there there is no real online gaming there isn't um yeah, you know, the internet isn't really widespread. People don't have cell phones or smartphones. They're Their not... behavior was relegated to in-person. Yeah, face-to-face <laughs> exposure. Yeah, exactly. But but now that we live in a society with with social media and and internet forums and things of that nature, yeah. uh, YouTube comments. You know, there's there's there have been uh, psychological studies that show that too much screen time basically deep 
trains your mind to not have empathy for other people because you're not seeing people when you type onto a screen. You're just you're just you know calling somebody a name or insulting somebody over Twitter, and then you just yeah, it's just turn it off to and you. move on. But then like the person who gets that message, it's like it just you know it's like what the heck, man? Like yeah, and and yeah, maybe maybe uh some people have the attitude where it's just the internet. If you take it seriously, then that's on you. But yeah. Maybe there's some truth to that, but I, I think it's probably just better to to not be a dick. Like it, it feels like yeah. that is a better solution than to just say, just get used to everybody being a dick. You know? Yeah. <laughs> How sad is that? Where that's the solution? <laughs> but it, yeah, it does make me think that to some degree, or it, it makes me think that this book was far more insightful than he might have even known when he yeah. wrote it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and it goes back to that thing we always say whenever we talk about um, either some kind of historical-based book or science fiction books set in the future. But it's just the idea that no matter how different the times are, human nature is always the same. So yeah, you're always going to have these nasty people no matter what time period you're in. And yeah. it's just the different different eras accentuate different elements of the awful traits of humanity yeah because people yeah. just suck man humanity is a blight <laughs> onto this planet <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh yeah i was um it 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 sort of takes me to the ending of the book actually and I, i'm i'm gonna need your help on this one because uh i don't really remember it quite as clearly but you mentioned earlier that at the end there's an inciting incident that causes Alan to push a kid, right? Yeah. And I I forget what it was. What can do you remember what what exactly like how that whole thing exactly culminated? Yeah. So if I remember this kid exactly, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah. Let me just flip through this. Yeah. This this kid at the end is actually Bill's son, and he's a kid that. He's a little bit chubbier, I guess. So he gets, he's an easy target for bullying. And one of the unofficial traditions of the Boy Scout week-long camp that they do is that at the end of the week, they have these quote-unquote awards. You know, they're not really awards, but they they do these things where uh, the person... They're like hazing awards. Yeah, it's like hazing, the hazing award. So the, the person who 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 uh, took the fewest showers gets splashed by this dirty bucket of water. So they, they said that this kid, uh, I think, let's see, his name is, his name is Chuck. So they're saying that Chuck took the fewest showers, which isn't true, but because he's an easy target, they're just going to splash him with all these buckets of this nasty, uh, this nasty water. Mm. So he he gets pretty upset because there's another kid standing next to him who took fewer showers than him. So he's like, you should you need to get this guy. He's the one who uh, uh you know should should who deserves this. And then so he grabs this kid who's who's quite a bit smaller than him. So you know there's there's already this sense of like him kind of attacking someone who's who's physically smaller and possibly weaker. So they start fighting. Uh, and then 
the the smaller kid calls him a homo as an insult and after he uh, elbows him in the face and and that's a significant insult because earlier on in the week some other kid a kid that was friends with the small kid ended up uh graffitiing chuck's tent with the f word uh you know the the slur and it's bothered him like this whole week so for this kid to like say that in front of everybody um you know and and he kind of reveals that it was his friend who who wrote that on chuck's tent and it, it just it just like first he's in shock and then it just makes him get crazy mad to the point where he just charges this little kid and he's gonna you know mess him up and right when he charges at him alan the adult with the glasses he grabs him uh, and yells at him tells him to leave him alone and he's about to like call him something you know call him a, something before he gets pulled off by chuck's father bill the, the mustache macho kind of dude adult mm-hmm. yeah and and his so Bill grabs Alan and says, that's enough. What's the matter with you? Throws him to the ground. And that's pretty much it. Like, that's how Yeah. That's how that, that scene ends. And the, uh, Bill basically says, we're finished here. Uh, everybody pack up. It's time to go home. Yeah. Everybody walks away. And then Alan slowly picks up his glasses from the floor. And it's just awkward, you know? Like, there's... Yeah. It's, yeah, it's just an ugly ugly scene and yeah that's that's how that that's how that scene ends there's still a few more scenes afterwards uh to end up the 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 comic as a whole but yeah. that was i felt like that was kind of the climax of it yeah and the rest of it was just sort of uh you know the, the epilogue well yeah so i was gonna say the thing about that scene was it's kind of the moment where the curtain gets pulled, right? Where up to this point, Alan is just sort of blissfully ignorant of the whole thing. And it's in this moment where his impartial observer status is pulled aside. Oh, yeah. The other thing I should mention, uh, I, I believe the small kid that Chuck attacks in that scene is actually Alan's son. Oh, yeah. 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 And yeah, so in that moment, it's kind of like he sees them for what they are, right? Where he's just like, they're just little animals, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was something about that that really stuck with me. Because, you know, in that moment when he loses it, it's it's there's this scene in the epilogue where, uh, you know, they, they've left already. They've left camp and they've returned back to you know, civilization or society or whatever. And Alan's dad, for whatever, I, I forget, ex- you, you have the book in front of you, so you, you'll probably be able to help me uh, clarify this. But from what I remember, he's just sitting there, just kind of shaken by by the reality of this whole thing. And I think there's even some, there's even like some sort of reference at the end of the book where he talks about how, they're, you know, the kids are growing up and they're about to enter the real world, right? Mm-hmm. And it's almost this scary thought. He's, it's almost like he's having this scary moment of realization. This thought that, you know, these little monsters are gonna grow up and enter the world, 
And yeah, what kind of people are they going to be? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, it, I, it left me feeling pretty like chilled to the bone when I saw that. Yeah, that is an interesting scene. It, I, I think I took it as a more kind of ambiguous kind of ending because it is yeah. it's it's one week after the camp uh presumably the kids are are still on summer vacation so yeah. his son is playing with this other kid from the scouts i think the other kid is a boy scout too um and they're just playing video games in the house in one room but they're they're talking loud enough where alan is in his room reading a john grisham novel but he can overhear his kids conversation with his kids friend and they're just they're, they're basically just talking about stupid sex stuff. Uh, and, you know, it's just getting pretty childish, yeah. immature. Uh, and he and, and Alan is just listening to it. And the very uh, last lines. And at, at this point, uh, we don't know or I, I don't know uh, which kid is saying what. But, but one of the kids says, don't be an asshole. And then. The very last page of the comic is Alan just he put it he puts his book down, rested against his body, and uh he's just listening to their words and, and somebody the other kid says, Please don't. And that's how it ends. Yeah. yeah. It's it's and the way that it's drawn, it, it's just drawn in this really sobering style, like yeah, I guess that's one thing we didn't really talk too much about uh, so far is is the is the artwork. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But during this last scene, there's just something interesting about Mike Dawson's lines here because he actually draws Alan in set in a panel where that doesn't take up the whole page, even though it's the only panel on the page. So there's it's it's already just this page that has a bunch of negative space and at the very top of the upper left of the page in the white space there's a word balloon that says please and the very bottom right corner the other word balloon says don't and in the middle of the page there's a rectangular panel with alan holding his he puts his book down against his body so he stopped reading clearly he's either listening or pondering what the kids are saying but the way Mike Dawson draws him is he he draws him without a mouth and he draws him without his eyeballs. Like you just see his you just see glasses He's on top of his a nose. Blank expression. It's totally blank, you know. Like yeah. it's it's pretty interesting to to see that scene depicted that way because it it does add this layer of ambiguity to a to everything. It's like what. What is it's it's like he doesn't even know how to react or what to think or what to say, you know, like he just feels yeah. powerless, like he has no mouth, like he, he can't he can't say anything, man. He's got no voice because he just doesn't know what to say. So yeah. even if they gave him a mouth in this picture, what would it what would it matter? He yeah. wouldn't say anything. I mean it you know, talk about you know him being impotent like that yeah. is truly yeah. an impotent scene right there that, yeah you know? it really it, is it was something that leaves it leaves him feeling powerless but i felt that sense of powerlessness uh 
through him, you know, it, just mm-hmm. in that one panel. Yeah. And yeah, there was just something about that that just it it it, it shook me when I got to that scene, you know. Yeah. 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 The, yeah that's the kind of thing that uh, I think highlights the effective power of slice of life stories, you know, because maybe there isn't a whole lot of character development. Like I wouldn't, if you asked me like, what did Alan learn throughout the course of this week or what, what was his character arc? Maybe you could say that he learned he was powerless, but in a way it wasn't like he grew a whole lot as a man or as a father, you know? Yeah. Like he started off as kind of like the very beginning of the book. Um, he kind of describes how he's awkward with other people. He doesn't like making conversation because whenever he starts meeting new people, he gets self-conscious about how he always says the word. So followed by the question. And, you know, that's his, I, that's, that's the way he tries to fill up, uh, the space of awkward silences because he can't handle the silences. He feels like he feels like you always have to keep the conversation going. Right, right. Yeah. And yet here at the very end, his it's his son, his own son in the other room, and he's got nothing to say. Mm. So there, yeah, there's something interesting about how he bookends this this week you know like or i guess it's like two weeks because there's a one week gap for the epilogue but like you know the story it's a it's a slice of life story in in like the the sharpest sense of that phrase you know this genre Mm. takes a genuine slice of time you know like it's not necessarily i guess if you think about reality like how take take a random week of your life you know how different will you be on uh, Monday compared to to Sunday or whatever? Yeah. You know, probably if if it's just one week, probably not too much has changed in your in your personality or in your character or or just you know as as a person. Mm. So it, it it's yeah, man. It, it's, it's it's a good read. It's satisfying. There's something yeah. artful and artistic about it. It's interesting. Uh, I remember when uh, after you read it and we discussed it for a little bit before the podcast and you mentioned that you thought of this as a slice of life. uh, It was interesting to me because I hadn't in I I don't think that that was instinctively where my mind went Mm -hmm. because I'm accustomed to and, and I told you this at the time, but I was accustomed to slice of life stories being stories that often uh, highlight the beauty of life, right? Yeah. And and just how wonderful it is to be, just your <laughs> ability to uh, enjoy the little things in life. Yeah, like, and I was that's, shocked that's that what you were lot... actually an optimist. <laughs> well, that's, but I mean, for the genre of slice of life, I feel like that's pretty typical, you know? And... You know, after hearing your uh, your reasoning for why this is a slice of life, it, it makes it even more fascinating to me because this, it, it, if it is a slice of life, it's the first slice of life I've re- ever read where I don't think I walked away from it 
pondering the beauty of life at all, <laughs> you know, like, which is a very interesting to do. <laughs> like I I've never, yeah, yeah. That it's, it's like just on a, a technical and on a creative level, that's, that's something I've never seen done, you know? That's a good point. Yeah. 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 I guess, I guess it's, I would have trouble coming up with another example of a slice of life story that stripped away my faith in humanity. Yeah. (laughs) Right. 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 Like we could name off a bunch and I'm pretty sure most of them are, are, are on the positive end of the spectrum. So, yeah. Um, but I was going to say uh, the other scene that I wanted to mention, and I, I forget, this might have been like a second epilogue, but it 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 takes place, I forget where exactly in, in the book it takes place, but it's, it's basically towards the end. And it, it goes back to the campsite, and it's after Troop 142 has left, right? Mm-hmm. And the scene is, uh, you know, after everything that happened, after the disaster of all of it, um, a new troop shows up at the very end of it. And, you know, they're completely oblivious to everything that happened with Troop 142. But it just feels like the cycle just renews all over again, right from the start, you know? It it almost feels like even though this... A uh, specific catastrophe has come to an end. In the end, none of it ever really ends. You know, society just keeps going on, and it yeah. just keeps doing the same thing. That's a good point, man. That is, yeah. a, that's a really good insight. I'm, I'm flipping through it again, and what you see here is is not only does another troop arrive at the camp, but they find that can of spam that's got all the yeah. You know, it's decomposing the and one got that all just the degraded that yeah, whole time. It's, it's totally nasty. And then the the first thing that one of the kids says when he finds it is, "We should hide it in Bob's tent under his bed." And the yeah. other kid starts laughing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and like, the way like the way that everything has progressed up to this point, it doesn't feel like that's just an empty joke. You know, it it actually feels like they're actually gonna do that to some poor kid yeah like all these kids are just blank templates and uh, when when the next set of kids come in they're just they're they're just gonna you know fill that the role of whatever jerk came before them yeah (laughs) you know pretty much yeah i i thought that was a uh i thought that was a pretty bleak way to end the book (laughs) yeah it's a good ending it it, because on the surface, like you said, on the surface, it feels like it's this kind of jokey moment, right? Mm-hmm. But given everything that we've read and everything that we've observed by watching just these kids be nasty to each other, it's hard not to look at that scene and think, oh, great, there's just more of them, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a bad world we live in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's what it pretty much boils down to, man. Yeah. Like, I, you know, I, um, I don't want our listeners to think that we're just, uh, sad sacks or anything. Um, you know, there's, there, there's beauty in the world, but 
you know, you take the good with the bad, and, you know, there's certainly a lot of bad out there. Yeah. That's the point of art. It's to make you think about that and to make you contemplate these things and to make you, uh, pick, you know, pick it apart and discuss it and study it. Yeah, yeah, that's the best kind of of art, you know, whether it's comics or movies painting, or music, painting, yeah, any whatever medium of art, it's always great when you can find something that gives you a reason to contemplate reality to contemplate yeah. something in real life or just yeah. you know something something to chew on you know there's an added dimension to it beyond yeah. just entertain me and take my mind off my troubles yeah. sometimes you want art that makes you consider your troubles you know the, yeah. the trouble of sometimes of, you should want to be challenged yeah yeah exactly <laughs> you know exactly yeah i can't just be sitting here you know, talking about Aquaman every week, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Like, it's it's very easy. Like, with all of the content available to us, it's very easy to imbibe in just things that only... To, to imbibe in things that you choose, especially now, that only feed your sense of feeling good. Mm-hmm. But, I, I, I mean, the world isn't really built that way and i think it's it's good for us to be able to uh yeah to to break these things down and to contemplate them beyond whatever superficial uh yeah beyond whatever superficial emotions we want to experience mm-hmm. yeah yeah, good good book choice, Albert, and good recommendation. I'm glad you bought it for a dollar. This is a this this episode is truly a discount bin diatribe. Yeah. So that's one of our hashtags. You know, follow it, follow us on uh, between the gutters at gmail.com uh, or between the gutters podcast. Uh, you can uh, on Instagram. Um, yeah, if you want to know more about the book, if you want to, you know, try where to uh, see where you can find a copy, or you know, let us know. Um, your your best bet is probably your local comic book shop. See if they can yeah. order a copy for you. Comicsology might work too. I don't know if it's digital. Uh, I did see it on Amazon, but it says that there's only one left in stock right now. So all of our fans. All of our 350 followers on Instagram <laughs> are going to have to fight for that one copy. You're going to have to fight like the kids in this in this comic. Yeah, it's just going to devolve into just savagery. <laughs> uh, Drew, mm-hmm. are there any book recommendations that you would give for anyone seeking out something on a similar level as Troop 142. So the first thing that came to my mind as a point of recommendation is a book that is only superficially similar to Troop 142. And that series is Black Badge by Matt Kint and Tyler Jenkins, published by Boom Studios. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who aren't familiar with Black Badge, Black Badge is 
a series about a fictional branch of Boy Scouts. And this is a fictional group of Boy Scouts that are an elite task force that's chosen by the government to take on covert missions where adults can't go. <laughs> so it's it's they're uh, young black ops kids, basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. And it, it's an interesting series because it's got this whimsical premise, but I think Matt Kent and Tyler Jenkins handle it in a pretty sophisticated manner where it, it, it they don't just treat it like a joke, you know? Like, there's definitely a fun kid element to it. And mm-hmm. I think the one thing that that uh, makes me pick this as a recommendation is because it, it does have the camaraderie that you would expect out of something that's a Boy Scout related kind of story, you know, like there, there is a sense of camaraderie and there is also uh, black badge also has pretty interesting subtext. Like there's certainly stuff in the series that you can say has some kind of commentary about foreign policy and uh, the role of government involvement in the role of U S our U S government getting involved in, in, uh, other countries and basically it's a story uh that is it's got a funny premise but i think it's not just merely a kid's adventure story it's actually got some interesting things to say about society like even the thematic content about how Mm. it's it's kind of saying or it's kind of showing us how adults have screw things up and kids are the future you know maybe only mm. maybe only kids can fix it and these kids they're not as i mean i'm not saying that none of them have flaws or anything like there's there's definitely they definitely have their own struggles but at least they're not out there trying to put two week old spam under each other's beds you know <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> They're not uh, trying to emotionally wreck each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. 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 Mad Kids is awesome. I would recommend. It's it's a fun it's yeah. a fun series and and it's got depth to it. I think it's I think there are three collections of it so far. I I don't remember exactly. I I've personally only read the first two volumes. I read them early on during the during the pandemic. So I, I do need to get caught up on this. I'm not. I'm not sure if it's still ongoing or or what what the status is, but definitely at least check out volume one. Uh, it, it's worth it's worth your time. Hmm. What about nice. you, Albert? I uh, I have three books uh, that I would recommend. Um, so uh, so I mentioned earlier that when I bought this book, I I bought it with zero background whatsoever. So I, like I I came to it as a blank slate, I knew nothing about it, but I remember, um, you know, as I was, after I finished reading the book, I, I was so caught up in it and, you know, as, as one does after they're, they've read something that they're very involved in, they want to learn more about, you know, the, the, they want to learn more about the, the creative process behind the book and the creative teams behind the book and whatever. 
And I, I found out that Mike Dawson also wrote another book that I had uh, read years before called Freddy and Me. And Freddy and Me is a uh, it, it's been years since I've read it. So I don't super remember it well. But even then, I remember it left uh, an impact on me. And it's a comic book that is it's an autobiographical comic book about uh his own life and about how he came to america when he was i want to say well i don't remember how old but he came to america i think when he was around his teens or maybe even like his preteens. and which country uh, did he come from he came from england i think oh okay yeah uh, like if not england then like one of the countries in the uk and okay. he came to the states and and yeah it, it was a story about how when he came here uh at the time he was just really into the mu into the music of uh freddie mercury from queen you know so um the story becomes about him moving to the united states and all of the various milestones in his life and how they coincided with the life of Freddie Mercury and the music of Freddie Mercury and, mm -hmm. and Queen, you know? So it's it's just a it's it's pretty starkly different from <laughs> Troop 142 in that it's more of a story about the uplifting power of music and his love of uh Freddie, well, Mercury. Freddie Mercury. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, it was it's it was uh like I said, I don't super remember it well. But it was something where even in my reading of it at the time, uh, it left an impression on me. And uh, I was considering picking that for our music choice when we did when we were still doing our recommendations, which we will come back to someday when, you know, when our our partners, uh, Shanus and, and Zach, if they ever have the time, we will go back and do more of our recommendations. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, that was something that I had considered for my music pick. Um, in terms of another recommendation that I'd make, another book that, oddly enough, it that that this book made me think of was uh, My Friend Dahmer by Durf Beckdurf. Mm -hmm. and, and it's another instance of a... Uh, a, a comic book artist also writing his own book and and uh and this one and my friend Dahmer is interesting because it's a it's it's basically the story of Jeffrey Dahmer uh like it's i guess it's autobiographical in uh yeah it's it's an autobiographical autobiographical comic as well mm -hmm. uh where Durfback Durf talks about how when he was growing up he happened to go to school with one of the most notorious serial killers uh, of in American the 90s. history. Oh, in American history, right? Yeah. But it really becomes a look at the life of this serial killer and just the various elements in his life that led him to to becoming the monster that he ultimately became. And yeah. I was telling Drew that the thing that strikes me is that it almost feels like Troop 142 
So one of the things I wanted to mention earlier was that the thing that I find chilling about Troop 142, about the kids in Troop 142, is that in a lot of stories, a lot of the times when you want to depict someone as evil, you you have them do these really wild, uh, like obviously evil things, right? Like mutilating animals or like just acts of just severe cruelty. And the mm-hmm. thing that uh, that I found chilling about Troop 142 is that their acts of cruelty were just so normal and so mundane that really anyone could have done it, right? Yeah. Like, again, I, I mentioned earlier that I, I've been in situations growing up where I was just surrounded by other young men and we just fed into each other in, in terms of our behaviors. And yeah. those certainly weren't our prou- most proud, our, those certainly weren't our proudest moments you know, mm-hmm. and again, I, I just think that that's part of the the human nature aspect of it, and yeah, that's the thing that I found, or or that's the correlation that I make between uh, Troop One Forty Two and uh, my friend Dahmer is that in my friend Dahmer, like uh, Jeffrey Dahmer goes to high school just like anybody else, but he ends up being bullied by a lot of these kids. And a lot of those kids, I felt, really could have stepped right out of Troop 142, you know? It's almost mm-hmm. as if we had, as if Troop 142 was telling the story from this per, from the perspective of the kids that ended up bullying yeah. someone like Jeffrey Dahmer, you know? Yeah. 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 Sometimes, like, the the worst kind of evil can be the most mundane kind of evil. That's the thing that makes it so scary, you know? That's a good point, yeah. Yeah. My friend Dahmer is an, just an awesome comic. It, it's yeah, I would definitely yeah. definitely recommend that for sure. It's just yeah. great to read. Yeah, it's 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 a uh, it's super thought provoking. It's super like chilling. compelling. It's chilling. Yeah, it's it's an excellent book. Uh, we've we've got to talk about that sometime. I, I yeah. think it might even be on our recommendations list. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and the last book that I was going to recommend was, and we actually talked about this on an, on another episode, but, um, Mike Dawson did mention that one of his influences was Alex Robinson and you can definitely see it in his art, but I would even say that after having read box office poison, there's certainly thematic threads that are very similar to, uh, to Troop 142, you know, just in the sense that he takes these characters and gives us an insight into just the ugly aspects of their nature, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Box Office Poison, we discussed that back in episode 72. I think that was in April. So, yeah. you know, check out Between the Gutters. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do have uh, one more comic I would recommend, and this one, this one is not because it's similar in tone at all to mm-hmm. Troop 142, but merely because it it's a comic that deals with bullying. Mm-hmm. But it's a manga called A Silent Voice. So A Silent Voice was written and drawn by. Yoshitoki Oema, 
and this was also made into an anime film back in 2016. The film's definitely one of my favorite anime films. I would highly recommend that. I would also highly recommend the manga. It's not too long. It's only seven volumes. You can find it digitally or check it out at the library. But the thing about A Silent Voice is that it deals with bullying from a very uh, like a much kinder perspective, I would say. Like it's it's very it's more nuanced, more humanistic. It's not just like there's definitely scenes of cruelty in there, but there's also there's also character growth. Like it, it's it's kind of about how somebody who bullied a, a deaf girl when he was young basically grows up uh being ostracized and bullied himself as a result and as he gets older and and reaches high school uh, or you know he's about to graduate high school or whatever he he uh just ends up being a depressed kind of suicidal kid because of what bullying has done not only you know it it, it changed bullying not only changed the life of the girl that he bullied but it also changed his life too and probably i mean definitely not uh for the better but it, it, the story is about him kind of him i guess you could say coming to terms with with what he did or you could also say it's about him uh recognizing that he was bad and trying to change you know, it's it's about asking those questions. Where is is it is it ever too late for a bully to change? You know, are you who you are when you were when you were uh, you know twelve years old or whatever? Like, is it possible for for somebody to grow and basically be a better person? Uh, mm. You know, learn what it is to to be a friend. Learn how to how to communicate with other people in a healthy way and not just try to rise to the top by putting other people down and hurting other people, you know? Mm. Um, so I would, I would say if, if you're interested in reading a, a comic about uh, bullying and, you know, it's not just a comic about bullying, but it, it's a big element of the story. It, it's, it's really about communication and being able to relate to other people, I would say is the main uh, theme of the story. But yeah, Silent Voice by Yoshitoka Oyama is a great piece of work. Like, definitely one of my favorite manga and nice. one of my favorite anime movies, if you're too lazy to read. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. All right. Good choices. Any final words on Troop 142 or anything else that you want to get off your chest, Albert? Uh, huh. no, that is, uh, that is everything that I have to say on the subject. You? This is everything I have to say on the subject as well, until I wake up tomorrow and remember something I forgot to say. <laughs> There's always going to be something. There's always, <laughs> we never feel like we, you know, even though we go long on these podcasts, it never feels like we cover everything that we truly want to say. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, we just do our best. Thanks for listening, everybody. This episode of Between the Gutters was brought to you by Between the Gutters. Peace out. (laughs) Bye.